I have often been accused of not liking men because of what's being said in this podcast, and I've always had to clarify that that's not the case. I love men. I support men. And I've always talked about my very special ally friends who are men, and I dearly respect and love, and today I have the chance to talk to one of them. Welcome to episode 207, or 20, of V Unfiltered. Sex. Relationships. Careers. And just plain life. From the experience of two Latina actresses. Welcome to V Unfiltered. Hi, I am Vanessa Tomasino. You will notice that today there is no Maria Bruson for those of you watching on YouTube and those of you listening on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can't see her, but she is not here today because she's on holidays. But that doesn't mean that I don't have someone super special with me. <laughs> with me, I have one of the most amazing men I've ever met because you are a different breed of men. Your masculinity is astounding, refreshing. <laughs> and very attractive. So with me, <laughs> my fellow colleague actor from New York, Quentin Lee Moore. Welcome. How you doing? How y'all doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get going. How do you manage to be a man with a different type of masculinity when you're bombarded by toxic masculinity and having to reproduce that kind of, uh, those kind of practices? Oh, this is a long it's a loaded answer question. Yes. it's a, not really loaded for me because i felt like i've never fit in with other heterosexual men in this way mm -hmm. um since i was a teenager i decided that i wanted to do right by women because i watched my parents have a lot of issues and i was made aware of what my mom was feeling most of the time my dad was a truck driver so he really wasn't home and so i was literally um watching my mom and i was like I know I don't want to make any woman feel mm -hmm. the way what I was witnessing. Yeah. And so throughout high school and college, I remember being intentional about how I spoke to women and also how I talked to men. I remember one time one of my teammates and I were sitting in the hallway and he was complaining about some girl acting crazy. And I was like, so what happened? So tell me what's going on. And he was like, man, we've been like talking and having sex and stuff like that. And now she's like trying to kick my door down. Da, 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 da. I'm like, why are you trying to kick your door down? Well, she thinks I'm cheating. And I'm like, are you? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I mean, I'm talking to somebody else. And I was like, well, well, well. So why are you calling her crazy for being <laughs> right? For, for knowing what's for actually knowing. happening, knowing what's going on, for her trusting her gut. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of got quiet. I was like, so you're mad because you got caught not because you were right mm -hmm. um and you try to put it on her being yeah. crazy so i like i just knew this like talking to anybody man or woman i wanted to make sure that like integrity is the most important part so do what you want to do men women in between non-binary but just tell the truth and then when you, if you get caught lying <laughs> don't be like it's your fault like yeah. it's your your fault you're lying so yeah that's why i started learning about it but the biggest thing is that as an adult um, I was, I've been in therapy since hmm, 2011, like off and on just yeah. learning about myself. So, so just so they put it into perspective. Mm -hmm. So how old are you now? And when did you start therapy? I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. And I started therapy at, uh, 22. 
wow. Yeah. That's a long time. I just started therapy and it, and it changed my life. I cannot imagine for you what it, what it's been to have that journey for so long. Right. And like at 22, I started talking about my experience, not knowing that it was me talking mm -hmm. about my masculinity. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to about my experience of like how other men told me I was gay because I wasn't chasing after women what? or talking to women a specific way. That's ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I was dating. I was mm -hmm. talking to women, but I was not treating them the way they thought women should be treated or how men should be really assertive and having a lot of sex. I wasn't having sex at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, that also made them feel like, what's wrong with you? And mm -hmm. Because of toxic masculinity and because of the patriarchy and misogyny, when I would tell women I wasn't having sex, they would be like, do you even like women? Because they had been um, trained to think that men behave one specific way. Masculinity looked one specific way. So uh, thank God for therapy and all but one of my therapists over the years have been women. Oh. Um, and they really, really, one, taught me how to listen um, and then also taught me that how I experience my body and how I experience my interaction with women is not only okay, it is my experience. Somebody else can't tell me that. So because I've always been kind of picked on by other men, I have had to learn how to carve out my own uh, journey with masculinity. But there's a big difference between knowing mm -hmm. that something's wrong and that you got not got to do it and then actually doing it. Yes. Like what are the, the tactics or the mechanisms that you use? to be able to not fall into the trap. So for example, if you're with uh, your group of friends and right. they're like, oh yeah, yeah, women, what do you do? Do you confront them? Do you walk away? Or or do you just tune them out? Like what is it that you do in order for you not to fall into that trap? It's a great question. It depends on the, the friend, it depends mm -hmm. on the group, uh, mm -hmm. it depends on the relationship. Um, because I always know when I hear it that this is not okay. So for example, um, I get a haircut in Harlem where most of the barbers are Dominican okay. and we talk about women and being that they have an experience of like their own culture between from like the Catholicism and what that taught them and how they were raised by the men in their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, they'll just say things that make no sense. Like there was one time a woman walked by and she was, um, oh, she was smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they said was like, women shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And I was like, and I just spoke up, right? And it was just a uh, second nature to be like, but men should? Doesn't smoking cigarettes cause all of us to possibly get cancer? So, uh, so I spoke up in that situation. Mm -hmm. But in other situations, if I'm around people I, I don't necessarily know, mm -hmm. I'm maybe more hesitant. I'm usually more hesitant. Mm -hmm. um, but then with my close friends, they know how I think and they know how I talk. So they know that if I if they bring up something about women, they're going to actually talk to me to know that I'm going to be in a debate with them about it. Uh, one of my closest friends, he and I talk all the time about a lot of issues that mm -hmm. we don't really agree upon, yeah. but he literally will come to me and ask me, what do I think about uh, how women dress and how women behave? And I'm like, do they ask you how you should dress? Do they ask you mm -hmm. how you should behave other than like being nice? Yeah. Like if, why do you get to tell them how they should behave, but they don't get to tell you how you should behave? And so I think I just usually just ask questions. Mm -hmm. I make uh, other men around me usually think, because I'm like, why do you get to say that? But they can't say that. Yeah. What makes it, what's the difference? Other than you have a penis and they don't. That's a very Socratic dialogue way of handling things, which is just ask questions and make sure that they, they really question why is it that we take some things for granted or facts, right? Like, like you mentioned, why are women dressing like that? Right. 
let alone the question. The thing is, why do you think you have the authority to ask the question? Doesn't matter what you're asking, but why is it that you're asking the question? And these are things that people have taken for granted as it's, it's normalized, right? It's right. normalized to question women's bodies. The body of a woman becomes, it becomes this contestation of who can label it, what, how, how do you describe it, things like that, right? right? But we rarely ask the question, why is it that we do it? Right. We just do it. We assume it's okay. And mostly because, because men are message trained in patriarchal society that we are the ones with the authority, especially from Christian faith. Mm -hmm. We are taught that we are the leaders and like women help. Like it's literally one of the first scriptures in the Old Testament. It talks about how women are a help meet. And so it's our job to tell them what they need or what they should do. And it's because they take out a context that um, when it comes to a relationship, either be it with you and God or you and a woman, mm -hmm. they take into out of context of like, we're supposed to be helping each other. Mm -hmm. They are helping, women are helping you and you are helping them, but they don't, but help doesn't look like mm -hmm. telling somebody what it is. But men have, were taught very, very early without even realizing it, that we don't get to not know what's happening next. If we don't look like, look like we know what's happening and what's going on, like, yeah. How often do men ask for directions? Yes. Like they're not supposed to not know. <laughs> they're supposed to always know. And it makes us look and feel and seem weak when we don't know. Mm -hmm. And it also makes us look and feel weak if we don't have like assertive ways of talking about things. And so everything that's included, that's including women's bodies, women's clothing. Yes. It's also talking about other other men. Mm -hmm. It's the thing about it is that they don't just do it to women. They do it to each other. Yes. And then they are like, okay, well, the only place I feel safe is with women, but what was done to me, now I'm going to do it to her. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that that's like, actually, it hurt your feelings, so why do you think it wouldn't hurt hers? Yeah. And, and that's the thing about toxic masculinity. It's that whenever we talk about this in the show, it, it, people just get angry thinking that we're, we're talking that, or we're saying that men are bad, when in fact we're saying that this sort of performance is affecting both genders. Right. It's not just affecting women. It's affecting right. men too. Right. And as allies of women and men, right. you want to see men thrive. I yes. want to, I mean, I want women to feel like they can live their life safely. They can choose to do whatever they want. They can live their best life, but also men where men can be able to express their feelings mm -hmm. or they're able to express exactly what you said. Right. The fact that they can say, I don't know. What's wrong with that? It's so hard. I mean, I'm not above that either. I'm I'm a man, so mm -hmm. I definitely do struggle with saying I don't know, but mm -hmm. I'm aware of it. And yeah. that's so I'll make sure that I was like, actually, I don't know. Um, literally, one of my um, past girlfriends mm -hmm. was like, "It's hot when you say I don't know because it means that you're humble." Yes. And if men knew that humility was hot, mm -hmm. <laughs> if men knew that, <laughs> OMG, I have to stop myself real quick. If men knew that women did not care about their dick as much as we care about it, facts, <laughs> facts, it would change a lot of uh, toxicity because mm -hmm. men wouldn't lead with fear, yeah, or lead with the idea that like, oh, I have a big dick, so that means that I can do whatever I want because this is the only way I've learned about my own body mm -hmm. and about how to interpret other women's bodies. Yeah. Uh, or on the other end, oh, my dick isn't as big as what I see in porn because a lot of men watch way too much porn. And even though we know it's not real, we then compare ourselves to yeah. the bodies we see on there. Like it's fantasy, but at the same time, 
oh no, I don't have that. And that's maybe, that's maybe what women want. <laughs> yeah. And instead of asking women, what do you actually want or what do you actually like? Instead, we assume based upon what we see other men have. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, again, about men trying to impress men rather than trying to connect to women. Yeah, because they should ask us. I mean, the same. I've, I've had partners who, you know, who have very big dicks and they're terrible at everything, <laughs> at humanity, <laughs> at being a human, at being a friend. And then not, it's not, they don't make the space, the intimate space safe either. So I don't care how big you are if you are not making me feel safe, you know, and I have an issue with pornography. I mean, I watch porn just like anybody else. But I do have an issue with pornography, not just because I studied it and I know how it affects mentally both men and women. There's a, an amazing book that I've spoken about here. It's called Not for Sale. Mm. And it's about <clears throat> different academics uh, who put together these stories of even people who have been in the porn industry mm -hmm. or who've been uh, prostitutes and stuff like that. And men who <laughs> have been part of the industry saying things like, it really messed me up. You right. know, it's like. I, I wasn't able to connect with my partners just because I, I no longer felt like I was human. And, you know, there's so many, you objectify yourself, you objectify the other person. So many things that happen when you watch porn. And I'm very aware of it because I also consume it. And I, I, and I also have feelings about what I'm watching, you know, where I'm going, is, is, does, this, does this make me feel good? Or, I mean, is, is, is this what I need? And, and then you go and you, you be intimate with someone and you try to, well, where did you learn everything from porn? Mm -hmm. And then you try to apply it and it doesn't work because it's, it's like acting, right? It's like when you do a scene, you don't know how the other person is going to react because we're all different. So whatever you had planned in your head, it's not going to work because they're not going to respond. You have to be in the moment. You have to be present. Well, the same in intimacy. You have to right. be present. You know, for some people, a shoulder is not a big deal. For other people, the shoulder is everything. Yeah. So I find that men they put so much pressure on themselves because of porn to recreate these porn moves and this porn attitude. And then as a woman, I tell you, I'm thinking of my grocery list. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm going there in this roller coaster going, what the fuck am I going to eat tomorrow? And the guy's like, ah, oh, doing his show because it's a big show and it's a big production. Mm -hmm. And the woman is just basically saying, you know what? I didn't like my outfit yesterday. When is this going to end, you know, and then you pretend that you're coming because you want to end and then that's it, you know, and then you leave frustrated thinking, why did I even allow this person in my body? You know, like, why did I spend time with this person? Right. Um, so I you're right. I think that men put so much pressure on things that don't really matter. And it's not for the sake of women. It's for the sake of the competition amongst men. Right. And I think the problem with that is, is that I think if men just take the time one slow down mm -hmm. number, that's number one slow down thinking slow down. that you need to uh bed her as soon as possible or the fact that you think you need to have so much money or whatever like oh i need to have so, i need to have this amount of money yeah. so i can get these kind of women and something one one of um one of my partners taught me she was like really really specific about like you Men, women aren't coming to you because you have a lot of money, because you have uh, a huge penis or well or well-known sexual prowess. Mm -hmm. They're coming to you because of what you just said. You, we, you have a reputation for making people feel safe. Yeah. In general, friends, 
uh, lovers, family, you just have a reputation of making people feel safe. And because of that, mm -hmm. they will come after you. But again, media, friends, what you may hear your friends tell you, but it's not the whole story, is that you think that based upon the media, like only men with a lot of money or only men with a well-known um, sexual prowess are going to bed a lot of women. First of all, men, why do you want to bed a lot of women? Yes, that's my point right why there. Why do you want to bed every single person? Yeah. That partner, she was just like, that's non-specific. Yeah, having a big penis and having a lot of money mm -hmm. makes it easy for you to bed a lot of random women who also don't know themselves. Because here's the thing, men who are doing that, you're betting the same type of person you are. To both of you are lost. Yeah, mirror images, right? <laughs> you are both lost. I'm not saying that women are better than you. I'm saying that, no, she's just as lost as you are. Mm -hmm. But if all you want is to be lost in the sauce, then, you know, call on Prego. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> like, like, if you really, really want to grow and learn and have deep, deep, deep connections, then you have to slow down and figure mm -hmm. out who you are. What do you actually need? What is actually the problem? What does your inner child actually need? Yeah. And why are you doing the things you are doing? If you're never going to ask the why for yourself, then there is no way you can come to a woman and be like, uh, this is how you should dress. This is how you should da 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 Because you are only pointing the finger because you don't want to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And chances are you're judging because yep. you judge yourself. Exactly. Like you're, there's something about you that you don't like that you look on other people. Yeah. I don't like to judge anybody. You know, like I, I like to think that we're all free to do whatever we want. Right. You know, but, but I do have to say on a personal level that when I hear men say things like it is a sport, you know, to, to sleep with women, mm -hmm. the more women uh, we sleep with, the more educated we are. On, about our sexuality it's mm. not true no and you don't I'm sorry you don't know shit about women's sexuality and it doesn't matter how many men women you've dated or you slept with you still don't know and it's not gonna work with me if you're with me right and i and and I, it's just so it's mind-blowing because they think they know and then start they start mansplaining sexuality to you mm. because they're like oh i've been with 40 girls and i've tried this thing so this works on you i'm like Fuck that. You have no clue what works on me because and chances are, I'm sorry to break your bubble and burst your bubble, but maybe they lied to you. Sometimes women lie. That's what we do. And they're like, uh, you will say, does this feel good? And we will be like, yeah, stop now. But it feels good. Yeah. So because we don't want to make you feel bad. I've done that many times, Quentin. I believe it. I believe Where I, I just don't want to make them feel bad. And just right. I pretend it's, it feels good, but it doesn't. Right. And here's the thing, man. We know. I know that you maybe lied too, because in my past, I have definitely been like, uh, I don't really like what's happening, but I don't want to make her feel bad. As so well. I will tell her, oh, no, it's fine. And yes, I'll probably come. I, I will probably be like, oh, that was good. But I will probably leave that situation feeling like, man, I never want to have the experience again. So <laughs> um, I had to learn to communicate uh, to my partner or partners mm -hmm. that I what I liked. And I had to learn to ask, like, what do you like? And that is not hard, but it takes, again, humility to mm -hmm. ask somebody what they like and then say, oh, either I definitely want to give a serve or whatever, but actually, oh, I don't do love like that. And that's okay to be like, we're just not compatible, rather than just like bum rushing in there and be like, I'm just going to do it this way and you're going to like it because I know it works because I didn't bet it 40 women. And I'm like, so, so what? everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. I am a voice coach. I'm a body worker. There is not, twins don't even have the same bodies. 
They can be coming, they can be identical. And even then they have slight differences. And also they also are going to have different relationships to their body because they're mm-hmm. not the same person. Mm-hmm. So you literally should treat every new encounter as a new encounter, not as like, oh, I know how to do this. No, figure out her, learn her. And it makes it so much more fun for you, for her, for the experience. Maybe it won't be a one night stand. Maybe be, you can have a, a repeat. Um, how do we just get on just talking about sex? <laughs> I know, but it's fantastic <laughs> because I think these are conversations that nobody wants to have. Right. And it, and we're carrying them out without any ju- sort of judgment or, you know, agenda, you know, no, yeah. no, we're not hating men. You're not hating women. You know, it's no, we're just trying to figure shit out. Yeah. And I don't hate men as a, as a man, I don't hate myself and I don't hate <laughs> other men. I just know that we can be better by starting with being kinder to ourselves mm-hmm. like selling telling the truth you don't have to have it all together bro like at the end of the day you can literally say i don't know or like i'm lost and i'm confused and here's yeah. the best part about that if you tell the truth other men will also learn from you how to tell the truth so can you be the first one is the question i would ask you mm-hmm. and then if you tell the truth women will feel like oh my gosh all i want to do is give because i know that you're a human being rather than like, I have to put up my guard because I don't trust you because yeah. you pretend. And I know you're pretending versus like, holy, this is where I actually am. And, and that moment will be like, oh my gosh, let me love, love you and not sex, but like literally connect with you. You know what I mean? If you don't know what I mean, then I'm telling you right now, go to therapy <laughs> and then go try it out. Safety, which is something that you mentioned is so important to women. Yeah. I, I realized a yeah, some you know, few weeks back, that safety was extremely important for me in my sexuality and intimacy with somebody. Sometimes I didn't understand, you know, why I couldn't fully connect with somebody. You know, I sometimes I thought I'm tired. You know, I'm not just I'm not here today. But I didn't realize a lot of the more red flags that I had heard from this person or the other or other people. And my body was naturally reacting to that. Mm. It was almost like protecting myself, being like, you can't go there because this is not a good person. And then I started realizing there was a connection between my safety as a, as a human, let alone as a woman, but as a human mm-hmm. being in that space and my ability to be vulnerable and, and, you know, and calm and enjoy the moment. Mm. And wow, was I, was that eye opening? Because once again, it has nothing to do with the guy, whether you like him or not. It has nothing to do with his his equipment, whether it's good or not. It was everything to do with, was this the right person to be with? And if you keep on just sleeping with randoms and or doing what you said of having all these men being rich men, what are you going to attract? Do you think you're going to attract women who are critical thinkers, who are independent, who are entrepreneurs. No, you are going to attract gold diggers because that's what you're selling. You're not selling your how smart you are. You're not selling your your resilience. You're selling your money, mm. right? And so what type of people are you attracting? And, and for me, for example, when I invest time in somebody, when I say I'm dating you, it means a lot <laughs> because mm-hmm. because I am the kind of person that I am a super busy woman. And if I am investing time in you, in you, like if I am making time out of my schedule to be with someone, to date that person, to go to restaurants, to sleep with them, it's because I think you're worth it. 
And that should count for something. But I think some men, they're like, oh, no, no, she has the time or, you know, I mean, the question is, what type of women do you want? And sleeping around doesn't help find the right person. I would say to those men, when they are doing the money thing, they don't know what kind of woman they want mm -hmm. because they don't know who they are because... Yeah. As a man, okay, for example, I'll talk from my own perspective. Yeah. I dealt, I deal with depression. Mm -hmm. Big part of the reason why I deal with depression is because I was a track and field athlete in undergrad. I, my dream, my self-worth, my purpose in life up until I graduated was that I was going to be a professional track athlete. Yeah. That did not happen. I had a great college career, but I was not good enough to go pro. And that was what I thought I should be doing mm -hmm. to earn love from yeah. anybody and everybody. So I didn't really know myself other than like, I know I ran track. And I think a lot of men, uh, when they are dating without doing the work to like get to know who they are, yes, they will date based upon what they are told is what the bare minimum of what men are required to do, mm -hmm. which is we are called upon to provide financially. Y'all, that is antiquated like nobody's business if you are not living in a country that allows women to work. If women have jobs and they have educations, I assure you, they don't need to be just taken care of in that old school, like, just give them money and then you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. It takes so much more work. Something I talk a lot about with my women friends now is like, today, men are asked to do more than, they, than our parents and grandparents were. My grandfather was not asked to say I love you to his wife or his children and so if I follow in his footsteps thinking that he's the greatest man in the world I do I think my grandfather's incredible if I think that his qualities are incredible but he is not is lacking in the emotional arena because he never talked to women he never learned anything about himself outside of like he loves God and he loves his family but how he shows his love is not through words is only through action so they had to interpret mm -hmm. that because he was giving them money to go to school this is all it requires is love and i'm telling every single man that love is more than just that if yeah. you never heard about the five love languages yes. go learn about them mm -hmm. because providing is only one of those love languages just like you want a woman every man every person wants what vanessa just brought up which is safety we all mm -hmm. want to feel safe yeah. to be fully ourselves and fully vulnerable and fully capable of showing up in a space and feeling like, OMG, I came in here and I could like let my hair down or yes. I could cry or I could laugh really loud, raucously and not feel ashamed of it because I'm a loud laugher. Um, and just I think that's what men really, really want is more or less what women are saying they want. But men are only taught that all you need is sex and money. It's literally in every hip hop song. <laughs> like they talk about <laughs> sex and money and girls, but the money mm. is what gives you the sex and the, and, and the girls. Yeah. So we have to relearn what actually matters, not just to women, but specifically to us. Because at the end of the day, if you talk to the old people, when they're like on their deathbeds, they're not talking about the yes. women they bedded. They're not talking about how they bought all this stuff. They're talking about the people that touched their lives. They're talking about like, oh, I'm going to miss this. Mm -hmm. The simple things like the dog I own, I, I remember him, or I'm going to talk about like my parents or yes. like the adventure I went on just going to buy ice cream um, in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to be about 
the the house that you own because the house ain't going with you no you know Mm -hmm. it's we we've commodified everything including ourselves i mean that's part of capitalism and we knew this in the 90s when neoliberalism was neoliberalism was getting really really strong it was all about competition how we view our bodies as exchange right Mm -hmm. it was what i how can sell myself you know what image becomes stronger fitter sexier blah, blah 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 we've commodified everything but then when you sell it and you get what you think you want which is the nice car the nice house the shiny trophy wife and all that stuff are you happy? No, you're not. You can say you are happy. I've always happiness is a is a, an emotion. It's like it lasts for seconds. It's yes. like, do you feel purpose? Yes. Do you and feel peace. do you feel peace? OMG. Do you feel peace? I was talking to a guy the other day, and he he said to me, "Oh, my life is so miserable." Because a lot of men feel like that because they they don't have a purpose. They they their family tells them what their purpose is, but they don't feel like that's their purpose. So they're they're wandering around the world anyway. So I was talking to him and he was like, I'm, my life is shit. You know, it's always sad. I know I'm, I'm always going to get the the worst things happen to me, blah, 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 blah. And, and I was just listening, you know, I was thinking, what, what is your, like, what do you want? He's like, I want to be happy. Yeah, but what does that mean? I want that happiness. I'm like, you're looking for euphoria, which is just a blast of happiness. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, because he was also a compulsive shopper. Mm. And so very strange for a man. I don't know. Well, no, I've seen some men who are compulsive shoppers. I am not. So for me, shopping makes me really anxious. Mm. Unless I have to buy it, I don't buy it. Right. I don't need it. Right. I don't need it. I'm just, right. it's clutter, right? Like, unless I need new shoes, I will buy shoes. I won't have like a, a room full of shoes. I don't need them. Right. Um, but he was, and what was happening is that he was getting really happy from buying that, but then he's, he would crash and then he would need to buy again every time. And so, so, but he kept on confusing happiness with that moment. What you just said, that, that explosion of, of joy, Mm -hmm. that's not happiness. No, I mean, that's not something about like, I think about like, you can have joy, like it's something that is like with you. Mm -hmm. And when I think about when men or women talk about, um, happiness they i think people think that happiness means you only feel happy like, like there are like no sad no, moments no yeah. sad days <laughs> right like, <laughs> like a long-term relationship for example like right now i'm in the most amazing incredible relationship i've ever been in. i am so grateful for my partner she is so amazing and the reason why we are happy together mm-hmm. is because we do weather those storms that get hard um, when she's going through something or I'm going through something, we weather the storm with each other rather than, yeah. uh, oh, I need to go find my next fix, mm-hmm. which is usually what happens with us men when we feel unfulfilled in a way in our relationship because our partner is not just feeding us happiness. The adventure is over and now we're like, uh, I need more adventures because again, you think or we think happiness is only all the time it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't mean like you're going to have moments of like sometimes you got to do again the work something i was thinking about um before this podcast i was thinking about this article mm-hmm. i read um and it's in the new york times from like 2016 yeah. it's called um why you will marry the wrong person mm-hmm. and the article is written by like a 22 year old uh, man and he's wow. and it's a great article he's like a philosopher at 22 he's so great and it's a great article because the article just details like the reason why we marry the wrong person is because we marry somebody for how they make us feel in that initial moment or how they make us feel some of the time and we're like okay that's enough i'll do that Mm -hmm. but then in the end 
when things get hard or your trauma starts to come to the surface and you've never spoken about it with ah, each other, yeah, you never yeah. dealt with it, yes. one for yourself or with each other, mm -hmm. then you just start pointing the finger and you end up you know, hurting each other and then getting a divorce and then you keep, and then if you don't deal with that, you repeat the cycle in your next relationship. Mm -hmm. And one thing that this man suggested was like on the first date, instead of asking about <laughs> what's your favorite color, Pink. <laughs> Purple. <laughs> Purple. <laughs> the lights. <laughs> um, instead of asking about what's your favorite color, it's like ask them, uh, what, are you, what are your triggers? Uh, what makes you neurotic or what makes you crazy? Yes. And just as, and it's about like seeing, okay, do my demons and my mess that I bring to this relationship, because we all have stuff, do they get along with your mess? Mm -hmm. If they don't, then this may not work. Or can we figure out a way to make it work? And the only way you can figure out to make, make it work is if you do some work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And some people do self-help books. Some people meditate. Some people uh, believe that they can get it from spiritual workers or spiritual help. Do whatever you think works. But for me, it's a little bit of all of that. But specifically, it's therapy and then a lot of open communication with my partner mm -hmm. um, or my friends. Learn how to open up to your friends. Yes. If you don't know how to talk to your friends, guys, if you don't know how to talk to your guy friends, then how are you going to learn how to talk to your women friends and therefore your women partners, romantic partners? Mm -hmm. It shouldn't feel that differently. You should feel safe with your woman partner the same way you may feel safe with your guy friend. And it may not be the same dynamic because you're not sleeping with the guy friend. And if you are, good for you. Um, but I'm saying that if you're sleeping only with women and that woman is going to be that way with you, mm -hmm. then you need to learn how to communicate with other people before you get to her. Mm -hmm. Maria and I talked about that, you know, how important friendships are in our lives. I mean, friendships are almost the foundation of our lives. We can, we can live without partners, but we can't live without friends. So if we're able to communicate effectively with our friends, then it means that we have a better percentage of having stronger uh, relationships with our partners. Right. Um, but it is, it is, what you just mentioned that's like a thing for me it's the healing mm. because i think what's happening is all of us are walking with our traumas and we're filtering the information through our trauma lens and so you say something and i will interpret that it may you may not be saying that but my trauma will tell me what is happening you know and then i will respond with my trauma to you that may trigger your trauma you know and so we're like walking traumas and nobody these are subjects that nobody mentions. Nobody talks about this, about the need, the need to heal before entering a relationship. You have to heal because if not, this goes back and forth. Um, now, like I, I totally got it when I, I've been married twice. And in my second marriage, uh, my husband and I talked about it and we were like, what's happening here? And he said, well, I, I have, I haven't healed. Mm. And I was like, well, I haven't healed either. Mm. So we, I don't think we've ever met each other, mm. you know, like, it's like, mm, who are you? You know, right. and he's like, I don't know you. It was so important. I mean, by then we were separated, but, but it was so important to recognize that our entire relationship was based on, I don't want to say lies, but two people who were just responding to trauma. And, and so it also puts the, it begs the question, did we actually fall in love in the first place because we were both responding to stimuli that was catering to our our own traumas rather than what we actually wanted or needed 
fascinating. The needed fascinating. part. <laughs> the needed part. I think it's the hardest thing about relationships is that we learn about the want. Oh, she makes me happy. She makes me feel mm-hmm. good. She makes me like, she, we go on adventures. She cooks me food all the time. Da, 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 da. Those moments are great. That's the honeymoon phase. Yeah. <laughs> that's the great moments, but that's not a relationship. Yeah. That is literally like what they call cocaine brain. When you're like, you smell somebody's fart and you like, oh, perfume. Give yeah, me more. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> and then five years later, they fart. Please leave the room next time you do that. That is atrocious. Yeah. And you haven't really like dealt with the both, not only the emotions from that early stage, but also like the emotion that change. Yeah. Like over time, it's like you need to learn to like know that, hey, people change. Mm-hmm. Even without trauma, they're going to change. Yeah. And so like that, again, is about doing the work of getting to know someone. Like, for example, I have some friends who are having a rough time right now because there's a lot of changes in their relationship. And the guy, my best friend, Mm -hmm. is learning himself in the moment. He's in therapy for the first time and he's learning about who he is. And so, and meanwhile, his partner has been in therapy. So she's learned about herself in her iterations of who she is in many different ways, but they're having some issues or having like moments of like, um, missing each other because they're learning how to communicate now not when they first met Mm -hmm. and so they're just having to work through that but the best thing about it is they're doing the work they're having the conversations the biggest thing man is listening and also knowing that this is going to probably touch on some toes of men that anger is a secondary emotion most of the time when you are angry it's not because you are angry alone it's because you're usually covering up the other emotion with anger so like for example mm-hmm. i'll talk about for myself if yeah. uh i feel threatened mm-hmm. by something my if i feel like my triggered by something that my partner or partners in the past would say yeah my initial feeling is like I need to like put up a wall and be strong and and and, and put her in her place mm-hmm. um vers- versus actually like realizing, oh, that was a trigger. I interpreted that as a threat and I feel triggered. And then I have to say, hey, slow down. That hurt my feelings. Or when you said that I felt this way, I need to take a moment to step away. I'll come back when I'm ready to talk about it. Um, So learning to just, again, slow down and realize like, hey, you may be angry, but like what's underneath the anger or what was the feeling that you felt when you first heard it? Um, and I think that's a, 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 a again toxic masculinity lends his hand to making men believe that we only can feel one thing outside of happiness, which is angry, Anger. and we only feel sad like at a funeral. Like literally, I know so many men who have said out loud, "Oh yeah, I've only cried in my life three times." I'm like, why? Wow. Why is that a good thing? No. Like again, that's toxicity. You mm-hmm. were taught that all emotion isn't isn't human because masculine just means another version of human. So you were taught that this is not okay for you to do. And that was a lie. It is okay to release through tears. It is okay to let that go and not go straight to like, mm, you can be soft. You're still a man. Mm-hmm. I promise. And for women, we, we it doesn't matter. Like if I can have a partner that's crying with me, that's amazing because you feel safe and you connect at a human level. I don't want to see a robot. I don't want to see somebody who's not empathetic, you know? Actually to me, that's very scary. Mm. When I, I I was in a situation once, I was I wasn't dating this guy. I knew this guy. Like he wanted to date me, but I I, I was unsure of him. We were in a group, like a, you know, with ten of us talking, very close friend, all of us, very close friends. 
And one of our male friends opened up and he said, I'm struggling with depression and I want to take my life. And, mm. you know, which is something very common amongst men. And, and he was really opening his heart to us. All of us were with him. You know, I was holding his hand and, and then this guy that wanted to go out with me, he's like on his phone, like he's on his phone. Like, do I have a phone here? I want to replicate. Give me your phone. Because you have to see this. And for those of you not watching, it's horrible. He's on his phone and he's going, ah, stop crying. You'll be all right. We all feel bad at sometimes. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you seriously not listening to what this man just said about ending his life? Are you seriously not affected as a human by this other person feeling that leaving this planet is his only option? At that point, I said, no, I can't be with someone like that. That's disgusting. But that's what most men do. I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel. Right. And I will say this, man. Toxicity and our ideas of how we should behave is literally killing us. Mm -hmm. It's why it is. we are taking our lives. It is why we are depressed. It's because we don't feel safe based upon culture to share about where we really are and how we're really doing. I, and here's the thing, y'all, I'm no different. I have literally just held it all in and it just crushed me. I literally couldn't eat because I was holding everything in. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was like, actually, no, I'm actually am very hurt. I'm very upset. I've been hurt. I've been scared. I've been lost. I've been whatever. And I cried that I was able to eat. And I'm not lying. I've, I've lost 17 pounds in, in two months from not letting go. Yeah. And so... Men, if you are feeling like, hey, I can't open up because it's not safe because of other men, first of all, fuck them mm -hmm. and go find some other friends. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't open up to your own friends about who you really are and what's really going down in your life, in your mind, in your heart, and if same thing if you have a partner, because it's no different if, with, uh, if you have a toxic a uh, woman partner, if she doesn't make you feel safe enough, if she said, tells you, dry your tears, men don't cry, or if mm -hmm. anybody ever tells you, man up, walk away. Walk because away. that idea of man up mm -hmm. makes no sense because there's so many different ways to be a man. There's so yeah. many different ways to be a woman. There's so many different ways to exist. And so what, however you're existing, as long as it's not hurting somebody else intentionally, then it's okay. Like, figure it out. But get help. If you are someone who is dealing with a lot, please get help. It's literally toxic to not get your help because we don't want to lose more men. Yeah, We don't need to lose more men. Yep. Men are dying all the time over some stupid bull crap of respect and stuff like that. We don't need to lose you. Find some help and then give to your community and then go ask women what do they actually think. I promise you, you will not only be surprised, you will feel like, oh, that takes all this pressure off me. I actually don't have to work so hard. I don't have to lie to myself or lie to them and be like, oh, this is who I am. And you know that's not who you are. Because you don't need to be that person. That person is not what she's even asking for. That's mm -hmm. what you were being messaged by other <laughs> <Yes>. men. <laughs> who are not part of that equation. They're right. not in that relationship. <laughs> right. You know, Quentin, I really admire you. I I think that from a lot of, you know, the friends that I have, you know, I've mentioned Mackenzie Gray, my best friend in Vancouver, also an actor. Mm. I would love for you to meet him. He's fantastic. Um, you know, I've mentioned him a few times, but I have to say it like up, taking advantage that you're here. I admire you because there's so many factors that could have made you just another man, you know, like just like any, you know, you are an athlete. 
you know the stereotype that comes with being a jock you know a player (laughs) a bully you know hyper masculine and yet you have a sensitivity that is very important to your human development and Mm. you did not shy from it like it's amazing to me that's the first the second you are a heterosexual man Mm. You know, because many people will say, well, it's easy to be sensitive if you're gay or queer. Right. Well, you are not. You're heterosexual, yeah. normative heterosexual relationship. And yet you are able to reject these norms of toxic masculinity because it does not suit your life. Right. It's amazing. And the third, which is a very important factor that we haven't touched upon is race Mm. being a black man Mm. being a black man there are certain expectations on the behavior that you have to exude the same with the latino man right yeah because the you are so emasculated by everything society the economy uh even the genealogy and history of 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 your people you know there's so many expectations on how you have to behave as a man and yet you have stood firm and said Mm. fuck that that's not me and it's not helping my partner or any partner that i may have right bravo to you like i honestly you know there's anybody would have already given in and be like (laughs) let me buy some guns let me fuck 20 girls let me just you know any other person would have been able to say that and you haven't it gives me hope and it and it makes me you know to our female listeners i think it reminds us that that quentin is right now speaking up for his experience but also there are other men that not only are replicating what he's doing but that want to do what he's doing Mm. and they just haven't found a role model someone like quentin that they can say he's done it right he is heterosexual he is a jock and he's black right if he can (laughs) preach you know if he can do it i can do it right Right, I promise y'all. I have I, we could we have to do another podcast episode about the whole <laughs> toxic ideas of blackness and how yes. there's a name for mm-hmm. black men in, during slavery mm-hmm. um, who were used to bed as many slaves as possible because they were bigger, stronger, faster, and they want and slave owners wanted them to have a lot of kids because mm-hmm. they would give more workers uh workers mm-hmm. they called them mandingos oh that's right right and now today it's a porn term mm-hmm. it's, it's a porn term for a man who's oversized and over sexualized mm-hmm. hypersexualized mm-hmm. and it's a as a name usually given to really big black men and oftentimes when i was in high school and college all of my a lot of my teammates a lot of my football friends they were like that was their only thing on their mind outside of outside of the sport was like get to a woman because they were told this is what makes you great hypersexualizing black men yeah. on television mm-hmm. on on social media porn. anywhere in porn in your families mm-hmm. like as a little boy the first thing i was i was always said to was said to me was like i bet you get all the girls because I was attractive, I was cute. Mm-hmm. How many girlfriends you got? At five years old, I was asked that. How mm-hmm. many girlfriends do you have? And then I was later on, because I was smart and driven and I had a purpose of track and field, I was told, choose women last. Choose yourself, your career, make your money. Women will come along later. They will always actually be there. You don't actually have to ever choose them. Choose your your purpose your first. Your purpose, yeah. And women will flock to you. It was like, the more successful you are, the more women you will get. And this was told to me by men and women. Hmm. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I had to unlearn that in this current relationship I'm in right now. Yeah. My fears and the way I behave, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, I am not perfect. I literally will be closed off to my girlfriend when I feel like I'm being too soft or too, or I don't have enough money or whatever. And I'm like, she's so successful. She's so capable. She's so incredible. Have y'all met Vanessa? Uh, like all the women around me, I'm surrounded by really successful women. So I feel like, oh, I need to step into the plate. And if I fall short in any of those ways, the first thing I do is like, oh, maybe I should break up because she's she deserves somebody better. Or maybe I should be more masculine or maybe I should just use my dick. Maybe just having sex will fix it all. And that's where I had to learn from her, Quentin, it's okay. Yeah. You don't need to be perfect. And I was like, oh. And and she loves you just like that. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You just don't me have being to me. be anything else. Yeah, just being me. It's great. Thank it's amazing, you. Amazing, huh? <laughs> it's amazing. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy. It makes your life so much easier. And mm-hmm. and, and also it helps me get out of my head. Yeah. It's asking her what does she think and telling her how I feel. It helps me quiet those demons that mm-hmm. are lying to me because I'm not, I don't need to be a mandingo to be enough. Mm-hmm. I can just be empathetic and human and, and have integrity. That's enough. And that's, you've chosen a right partner. Right. See the importance of setting boundaries, having self-love, the right person will come along because you know who you are and you know what you want. And then this person will love you exactly for that. Right. Not for what you're pretending. Like most men, they pretend they have money. They pretend they're cool. Stop pretending. We don't yes. want you like that. We right. want you just to be human and make mistakes just like us. Right. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Thank it. you, Quentin. I think it's been a really big lesson uh, for men that they really need to choose themselves, their lives over masculinity. And for women to not lose hope, you know, there are men out there who want to change. There are men out there like Quentin who are allies, who are fighting for justice and who are also living their best lives away from performing toxic masculinity. And I think it, for me, especially where I am right now in my life, so jaded, so angry, so bitter. (laughs) It doesn't look like it, but I am, Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's also a good reminder that there, we have to always give hope you know to other people that they can live their best lives and that they the world is fucked up enough but that doesn't mean you have to be fucked up right we have the control of changing ourselves for the better we have no control over money we have no control over the economy or any other people or who loves us but we do have control of the person we want to become and so you're a really good example for that. So thank you, Quentin, for thank being you. in this podcast, episode 20. Um, you are very much welcome to come back. Oh, I um, want to. We definitely have two more, <laughs> a thousand more podcasts. I want to. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time to be with me today. And I, I hope next time Maria can join us too. And yeah. then and, and it's a good to hear from her because she is younger. Mm. And so it's it's always she brings in a different perspective from from maybe us that we've lived a little longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank mm-hmm. you, darling. Thank you. Thanks for watching, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>